This is a Soul Fire production. Are you ready to enhance your sexual, erotic, and relational intelligence? Welcome to Higher Sex, where we take sex education to the next level. Come here to get curious about sex and cultivate acceptance, deep love, and intimacy. No topic is too hot to handle. As a psychotherapist and sexologist, Kelly playfully leads listeners through worlds of informative and actionable sex education, personal stories from her inspirational guests, and leading edge research from trusted experts. Higher sex is scandalous and explorative, leaving you wanting more. Let's keep this conversation going. Subscribe today so you don't miss out on these hot new episodes each week. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. I am so excited to introduce Luna Matatis to all of you. She is a sex and pleasure educator, and her and I always have a ton of fun when we're talking about sex and pleasure and fantasies and exploration and sexploration. And she has over 10 years of experience teaching people how to build better relationships to their bodies and how to practice empathy with their partner's insecurities and needs and how to get curious with your erotic imagination. And so people often don't know where to start with this topic or how to explore their erotic imagination, especially in the context of a relationship. So we are just going to get this party started and welcome Luna. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Luna. It is a pleasure to always jam with you on everything sex and pleasure, and you are the guru in sex education and pleasure education. So I want to dive right in and even ask, how did you, you've been doing it for over 10 years now, and so how did you even get into the field and to become a pleasure educator? Yes. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and and to tell this kind of story because I, I feel like people kind of make assumptions about how you get there or it feels impossible if someone aspires to do something like I'm doing. And I actually started out more in a a public health capacity. And so I was doing health communications and health promotion focused on sexual health. And so what that meant was a lot of education around how not to get sexually transmitted infections. I ended up working in Eastern and Southern Africa around HIV AIDS prevention and management. So that was super, super cool. And I definitely learned way more than I gave. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) It was a humbling experience. Um, And and then I kind of, you know, no matter where I was, like where if I was teaching in Eastern Southern Africa or when I came back to Canada and I was working with LGBT communities, you know, I could talk till I was blue in the face about condoms. And people really wanted to know about pleasure. So they'd be like, how can I get her to do this? Or how can I get him to eat my butt? Or, you know, how can I do this? And and it made so much sense to me to have a, a natural extension into classes that focused on pleasure because largely we don't have a public health mandate in order to facilitate conversations around sexual health in a pleasure-focused way. Yeah. So most of us aren't getting that kind of communication around like, how do you talk about your fantasies? How do you say what you like? How do you give a partner direction? And I started teaching in feminist sex-positive shops. And from there, it just sort of <laughs> was such Blew a... Up. Yeah, it was such a blow-up to, you know, people really wanting specific information around all these types of fantasies or sex 
XX. Oh, I love it so much. And you know, there's such a need for it too, because I find even as a sex therapist, sometimes people are waiting until there's a, a problem. And so I love it when um, partners get to a place where I'm like, oh, go check out one of Luna's classes. And you know, people are even just like looking for a fun date night, especially with like lockdown right now, everything's online anyways, and you do so much um, pleasure education. So it's like, oh, how can we spice things up or even just do something novel and exciting and be curious with our sexuality and with one another. And so I love it when people, um, you know, want to just be a little bit more creative or playful. And then you create a really down to earth, safe, non-judgmental space that really uh, promotes curiosity mm-hmm. and communication. Yes. You, I love that word. Curiosity So I'm so glad that, that that stands out. Um, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of times people wait until there's what they consider a dysfunction or an unhappiness about something. And too and much probably, resentment is built up that it's hard oh. to like get to that pleasure place, right? Because I'm really hurt by you or rejected by you or totally. And then you internalize that. You're like, I'm not attractive. I'm not desirable. I'm not good enough. I can't perform well enough. And it just is this ugly cycle. Oh gosh. It can be especially, and I love how you also focus on um, sexual confidence and sexual self-esteem too. So I'd love to dive right in, in terms of, I know I'm like, can you just tell us all your your, your tips and strategies now? Like right, right off the hop, give us the good stuff. Where I'd like to start is a lot of times where people are like, okay, we're in a rut. We have maybe reached a bit of a plateau. We don't really know where to go from here. And now the conversation is just we don't even know where to start to explore our pleasure or become more curious. So what are some ways or off the top of your head, I know you have like a million, where would you start with people or like, where? Do, how do you encourage people to start opening up that dialogue to um, enhance or heighten their pleasure or to just start to communicate more effectively um, around different places they want to take their sex lives? Yeah, yeah, that that language that you used around, you know, we're we're feeling kind of stuck. We want more pleasure, we want more intimacy, we want more excitement, we want more adventure. I think by stating that need with your partner as an opening to this conversation is beautiful because it's not like you're boring, you're this, you're that. It's like we want more. I want more of you. Like give me more of like what you're turned on by, what you yes. makes you feel sexy. And so that conversation can then lead into, you know, happening in a non-sexy time, like in the middle of sex, you're not gonna be like like, babe, I think that you know, we could we could do this different. So wait for a time where you've got privacy and maybe an intimate kind of setting, but not necessarily a sexual one. And and really just like ask each other about, you know, what can I what can I bring you? What can I do to stimulate more pleasure for you? And some of the conversations can center around activities. So you may might suggest things like, oh, I was thinking about a blindfold. How do you feel about that? So suggesting things in a way that's not necessarily about obligation. Like, hey, I bought this blindfold. Can we use it tonight? night, you know, that's like a lot of pressure. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just pull this out of, of my back pocket. Yeah. Yeah. It could exactly. be a surprise too. Kind of push you back on your heels a bit too. And then you might have a bit of a, I guess, a knee jerk reaction, which might not make the person who's delivering the idea feel good or comfortable or confident to bring things forth in the future too. So just setting as what I'm hearing is setting the stage and the tone and saying, okay, you know, let's have a talk about our sex life tonight. Like let's both get ready for that and come with some ideas or while you're feeling connected, Hey, can we set aside some time to talk about our sex life so then people are more in the headspace so they can be more open to that versus just whipping it out there. Yeah, because I find, you know, and it's understandable, you know, if your partner does that, I mean, kind of approach it with empathy and, you know, most of us haven't learned how to bring up our desires and so it can be awkward and come out a bit more blunt than than we would like it to be. And so if your partner says, hey, I bought this blindfold, like, can we use it? You might say, oh, well, I'd I'd love to kind of hear about what this fantasy is you have of being blindfolded. Like, is it 
it you being blindfolded? Is it me being blindfolded? Like get as curious about their interest as you would about any other thing that they were bringing in. If they said they wanted to remodel the kitchen or what are you having for dinner? You know, you, we ask way more questions about what are we ordering for dinner than we do about our, our sexual fantasies, right? Like how yeah. spicy do we want this blindfold? And you know, like, <laughs> would you like some hot banana peppers on that? Or would you right? like some like, yeah, just like basic stuff. I think we were talking about cheese pizza. You know, I'm like, Nagoski says, talk about it like cheap, like um, pizza. What kind of pizza are you wanting tonight? Do you want the Supreme or do you want just a cheese pizza? Or, or, or like you try to use like different language. Um, so you can, you can take uh, it to be more objective and less like reactive. And yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think accepting it's going to be awkward. Awkward. <laughs> right? It's going to be awkward. You don't have to sound sexy about it. You don't have to know exactly where it's going. I think the intention of curiosity and empathy is enough to get that conversation started. And from there, you can do things like go online to uh, your favorite local sex shop and maybe I buy something that I would like to you to use on me. You buy something that I want to or I'll be able to use on you. And so it creates this kind of adventure that isn't necessarily focused on performance. Like it's not kind of saying, oh, I want to have marathon sex. I want you to last longer. I want you to, you know, come quicker. I want all these kinds of things that are really just focused on mimicking porn. And and we can use porn as a muse, but we, we really want to tap into, well, what are the other crevices of pleasure that I have yet to discover about your body and my body? Oh, I love that you're touching on that too, because it is an important distinction that porn is entertaining and is by no means should be used for your your primary sex education, maybe to inspire you in some way, shape, or form. However, you know, it can be infuriating to watch sometimes and say like, you're not even touching their clitoris and you're like, yeah. like there's makeup everywhere and no one looks like that. And, you know, and then that can really distract from your pleasure. And if you're trying to focus on like sucking in your stomach and looking in certain ways or screaming or putting on a bit of a performance. So I love that you, you said that too. Like it has a place, it has a purpose. You can have a healthy relationship with it, but at the same time, just make sure you know it's not real life. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and that can be a tough kind of mentality to let go of. I think for, for most of us who've only ever had any kind of interaction with um, seeing sex or, you know, kind of engaging with performance-based sex through porn, it becomes like this, wait a minute, you mean I can do the sex that doesn't look like the porn? And and so it, could, it can take some time for, for people to let go of that and to really be open to the possibilities that they have naturally in their erotic imagination. They've got this huge capacity to facilitate pleasurable experiences that that aren't necessarily, you know, they may not look like porn, they may not have the goals of porn. And that can sometimes challenge like our confidence as we start to discover it because it's a new way of being in our sex. Yes. And I love that you're touching on eroticism too, because it really is about uh, creativity and imagination. Do you find that it can be hard for people to explore their sexuality when they are so goal oriented or performance driven? Because you're, you're using words like erotic pleasure. And it's like, well, I don't even know what's pleasurable or I don't know what is erotic for me. So how do you encourage people to, I guess, explore the different facets or all the different crevices of eroticism and pleasure? Like, where can they start if maybe they're so used to going through the same sexual scenario or script over and over? Yes. Like, if you've got your menu and you're like, (laughs) okay, we do like the kissing thing and then we do the oral thing and then we do the penetrative thing, you know, that it can be sort of jarring to to kind of try and mix that up. and, And it can feel like you're losing confidence because now you don't know what's next and what the responses are. And so I think letting go 
of orgasm as a goal is a really good place to start and just set the intention of we're going to explore how does it feel maybe to touch all of the other underserviced erogenous zones like our necks, our ears, our feet, our wrists, all these other areas and ignore the go-to hotspots. So maybe we leave genitals off the table. One of my favorite things to do to mix things up is to have sort of an underwear on type of date. And so it's just focused on things like making out or exploring even oral through your underwear or touch that isn't involved in, in your genital area. Another thing can that can really help is changing your erotic input. So whatever stimulates you, and this can be during solo sex like masturbation or during partnered sex, um, exploring things like erotica or erotic audio and just seeing if you can like pump up your own erotic imagination. I was thinking the other day, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so bored with my fantasies. I need new things. I need new material. Yeah. (laughs) I got to discover maybe I'm into feet. I don't know, but I got to (laughs) try. And so even that, that curiosity without the goal of orgasm is it can help us discover new ways to get turned on and it can kind of create these different concoctions of, of ideas and then something just lands right. And it, it may not be focused on the sexual activity like, oh, I want to do anal or I want to do spanking. It might be focused on a feeling. So maybe I want to feel helpless or maybe I want to feel powerful or maybe I want to feel taken or desired or any of these kinds of um, modes that can help us shift our imagination and just explore like something that feels in contrast to what we're normally experiencing. And would you say normally experiencing in your day-to-day life or in your standard sexual script? That's a good question. I think both. I think um, sometimes people really eroticize the feelings of powerlessness if they have to be in power all the and time. And in control all the time, right? And the caretaker of everyone. Yep. Yes, yes. And so it can be, it can feel uh, really relaxing to let go of that and let someone else take over and then eroticize that that surrender of power. Um, and then I think for other people, it could just be, you know, maybe you're the person who's always kind of initiating sex. You're the person who's, you know, sort of changing. Okay, well, we've done the oral. Now we're going to hear. And so even simply changing up who's in charge and and fixing that that kind of routine that that maybe you've sunk into without even really realizing can be a really great way to just see well how does this feel how does this feel if i decide you know or how does this feel if we determine that a quickie doesn't involve penetration maybe a quickie is i go down on you or you go down on me and then we go about our day right yeah and just tra- changing up the the script just having some novelty newness you know i I even talked a lot about like the the sexual motivation cycle and how sexual stimuli is quite important, but maintenance sex and having quickies and that that type of thing is all healthy and good. However, if you're only doing that, it can you can lose a taste for it, right? It can be quite monotonous or boring, whatever you want to call it, and where you just really stop desiring it. But if you have a novel experience, that stimuli can actually carry you through a few more of those maintenance style sex sexual encounters that you're going to have so so it's not like it has to be novel all the time but you know once in a while that's why it's like people might go on vacations have vacation sex that's a good top up for a couple months right um not to say you're not having sex anymore but maybe the type of sex can carry you and excite you for a bit yeah absolutely and and i think the the maintenance sex and and the monotony also comes when people disconnect from their own erotic relationship to themselves and so a lot of people think masturbation is only for when you're not in a relationship or if they're 
there's a problem in the relationship, but it really can boost your self-image, your self-confidence. It can teach you about your pathway to pleasure, what that arousal process looks like. Maybe you learn how to multiple orgasm or how to orgasm in the first place or how to delay ejaculation. I mean, there's so many things that, that we can get from masturbation as self-care for our mm. erotic selves. Oh, it's, it's just so healthy for you. It's like sexual wellness, really. And by you owning your pleasure and owning the responsibility for your own orgasm allows you to really step in that place where you can receive pleasure and potentially be open and more curious to exploring different things because you're not as intimidated by a different type of touch or ex- and if you're exploring so your your body with solo sex then that's something where you can invite your partner or partners into an experience with you if you've discovered something new and teach them how to touch your body and all your erogenous zones in different ways and if you're together for long periods of time you know your your touches the types of touch you want might change over time so communicating that as well would be helpful but you're only going to be able to do that if you know your own body Ooh, yes yes like get to know those bodies like get to let them go at their own pace where in masturbation you don't have the pressure of partnered sex you don't have to worry like is my partner bored i often think do they want to move on to the next thing are they ready to go to the and, and you know and i sort of get out of my own pleasure space and and start to focus on like creating the space with someone else so masturbation for me is amazing time to be selfish and reap the benefits of that yeah with all the oxytocin dopamine endorphins like all those good things too right you do a lot of education around kink as well. So I'd love for you to maybe just give a bit of an overview of what that is, because I think the word can scare some people or they might take it out of context if they're looking at it in a certain way, but it's a whole spectrum. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you can introduce people to kink and then how people can start to explore that for themselves. Yeah, I love that that you bring that up too, that it feels scary for some people or intimidating, or it says you're a particular kind of person. Right. It's it like, like pathologizing says- or something like that. Yeah. Ugh, yes. And, and, you know, this idea that kink is deviant really creates like all this unnecessary shame. I think of kink as uh, just sort of our erotic imagination's capacity to be infinitely creative. Right. It's diverse. And so, <laughs> yeah. Kink is really, and, and it's interesting because kink is also defined differently depending on like sociopolitical and sociocultural kinds of context. So what is kinky in one place might not be kinky in another place. And so when we think of it in that way, that kink really is about you know, whatever you would think, and I'm going to do air quotes, even though we're on one on podcast, but like, like air the air quotes, quotes coming at you. like what uh, normal sex is. And so what people accept as normal sex, anything outside of that is kinky. So some people think anal is kinky. And whereas other people would be like, no man, we do anal all the time. Like, right. you know, like bondage basic. is basic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anal so basic. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're interested in, in kind of getting started with kink, I think a lot of people go to porn first or they go to things like Fifty Shades of Grey right. and remembering what, what you pointed out about like this very much being the performance and like fantasy based and so it doesn't involve some of the really critical things about kink like communication consent and you know having a way of safely communicating during the kink because those are the things that they sound unsexy but they're really the anchors for allowing you to get into what kink has to offer which is sometimes these altered states of, of experience where 
where the flood of chemicals in your body combined with the sensations that you're experiencing actually helps you pivot into another almost alter ego or altered space where the the feelings and sensations of the things you already like to do are actually amplified. So if there's more pleasure to have, I want to know about it and I want it. (laughs) All the pleasure. (laughs) So if you're you're like, oh my God, kink scares me. Remember that, that also kink is on a continuum. You know, what we see in hardcore like fetish or BDSM porn, like that's sensationalized to be entertaining. And so kink could be, you know, you deciding that tonight I'm going to be in charge of your orgasms and we're going to play with a little bit of a power exchange where I get to produce the conditions that are going to lead you or not lead you to orgasm. Um, It could be things around sensation play. So if you bring in ice cubes into the bedroom in order to create a contrast of like warm bodies and this cold sensation, which for a lot of people helps them get into their body. So if you get distracted. Focused. Yep. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. Yes. Yes. Like this idea of I sometimes will be having a really great time and then my mind will wander and I'm like, oh my God, I have like laundry. To do less. Yeah. Mustard. Do we like, (laughs) like it goes into like all these unsexy places. Um, It pulls you out of the experience. Yes. And so kink really is, is it can be a tool for, for helping with that mindfulness, for helping with that erotic creativity. And for other people, it expands uh, what we think about is considered pleasurable. So we get to play with with sensations that wouldn't be pleasurable outside of a kinky context. So things like pain or things like humiliation or, or tickling, like even, tickling right? or like, yeah, or name calling, you know, it allows us sometimes to also play with these parts of ourselves that, that might be darker, but like very exciting and very charming parts of ourselves. And so would you say that you need to be in um, a state of arousal or at least like warmed up a bit before you start incorporating some of these things? Or would you use maybe some of the power dynamics to get warmed up? And I guess it depends on the context and the, the dynamic, but how do you, I guess, how do you get people to get started? Because one thing that's coming up for me as you're talking, and I love that you said kink can be a tool to bring you into the present moment and to really heighten that state of pleasure. And so often, at least with, I work a lot with uh, partners who are experiencing desire discrepancy. And it's like, I can't go from zero to a hundred and I have a million things and everyone needs me and everyone needs something from me. And so it's like, oh, well, maybe we can start to just play around with kink for a little bit, just to like snap you into this present moment. And so how would you go about suggesting people set that up for the first time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like the idea of like kinky breadcrumbs and (laughs) just sort of some of those laying around. (laughs) Yeah. Just hope that your partner finds them them all over the place. You're feeding the pigeons. Here's a breadcrumb for you. You literally install a bread factory in your living room. (laughs) Wafting the Well, I think these breadcrumbs can be um, ways of kind of uh, sort of seducing out whatever feelings or vibes you want to play with. So once you start talking about kinky fantasies, most people start focusing on the activity. So they'll be like, I want to be spanked. And that's cool. So you can focus on the activity. But but in kink, the most benefits come when you treat the activity as a vessel for your erotic flavor, your mood, whatever you want to put into it. So in the same way that 
people say that, you know, you can taste food that was cooked with love. We want to put our erotic love or erotic energy into these activities. So spanking could be about playfulness. It could be about punishment. It could be about pain. It could be about just my butt is cute and we want some attention on it. It could be about kind of accenting a particular character role play like student teacher or something like that. So those are like five different ways that spanking could occur. So talking about it is your first breadcrumb and really kind of saying, here's how I want to feel. Here's how I want you to feel. Here are some uh, items that I think might kind of punctuate our feelings or power in this. So it could be outfits, collars, kinky tools. And then here are the activities that, that I hope we would do. So that might be spanking, bondage, you know, tying up, those kinds of things. And once you've got kind of an idea of a scene in your head, it's really cool to use rituals to create a differentiation between here's me and you who live together, we cook together, we pay the bills, and then here's me and you as like, you know, some sort of goddess and servant you know, like role play, right? right. So a ritual. So entering, be... entering into new roles or in a different dynamic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you can do that simply by even, I have a candle. And so I, I light that candle when the scene starts and I blow it out when the scene stops. You could do even leaving the bedroom and coming back into the bedroom as your character. So anything to kind of shift the energy. So I think what you asked about, you know, should we just jump right into it or warm things up? These are all ways of, of kind of shifting into that mind mindset. So you right. enter kink through the mind and then you land in the body. And and that's that's so much easier and and more it kind of allows people to build their their confidence in it as well as you allow your body to get aroused. You allow these hormones to kind of like fill up, adrenaline builds, connection with your partner. And so then it doesn't feel like you're just performing some like spanking scene that you happen to masturbate to. You know, it, it feels much more like you're actually connecting in this vulnerable erotic container that you've created with your partner. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Right? Well, it really really does. It sounds like kicking things up a notch and really prioritizing, exploring what feels good for you. Because I love how you said that it's you talking about the breadcrumbs and then getting your mind right and then it lands in, in the body. So negotiating that within your partnership and then setting up some sort of container. And we talk about that all the time, about a transition at the end of your work day when you come mm-hmm. home and especially if everyone's working remotely right now too, how can you transition when you're a parent at home, you're a lover at home, you're working from home, like everything just feels monotonous and mundane. So how how can you create these rituals to step into different roles versus them all feeling um, compounded and the weight of that? So I love that it's easily transferable over to setting up a kinky scene. Yes. And it's so like you just talked about spanking and you gave five different ways about how that could be hot for somebody and they're all different. Yeah. And I wouldn't know if I came at you to spank you and I thought it was about pain and you were like, no, no, no. I just wanted a light tap to show you how cute my butt is, you know? <laughs> wanted some ass worshiping going on there. Not yes. necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, because we're talking about butts, can we move in to a little bit of butt play and how people can get excited or hungry for more of that? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love talking about butt stuff. I know. I know you do. I know you do. That's why I'm making you talk about it. Don't tell my mom, but (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think I actually started talking about anal so much because I, I kind of liked that it was so taboo, but that everybody was interested in it. Right. 
right? And I would get booked for like BJ bachelorette parties or something. It hundred percent of the time always ended up in anal questions. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think if, if you're thinking about getting started with anal, you really want to understand what anal anatomy is and what anal pleasure anatomy is. Cause we kind of only know that the butt does one thing. It has its job. And, and so a lot of our assumptions around anal is, <laughs> like, <Cute>. <laughs> <laughs> is that it operates like the vagina, but it, it doesn't, it's not self-lubricating and it's muscles and the nervous systems that actually control its relaxation are different than the vagina. So we really want to appreciate that the butthole itself, all those cute little crinkles of flesh around the butthole, um, they actually fill up with blood flow once our body gets these cues for arousal. And those mm-hmm. cues are only accompanied um, with a, an arousal action after it if we feel safe. So our, our nervous systems are involuntary and voluntary and the involuntary one really needs to feel like you're not going to hurt me. You're going to stop when I tell you to stop. This is not going to be like the other crappy experiences I've had with anal. And sometimes that isn't always in the same kind of frame of, of mind or mood as how we can influence the, the other types of uh, relaxation for the butthole. So some can be influenced by different techniques that, that I teach, but some of it is also like really being on the same page with your partner about what this anal experience is going to be like. And most people that I talk to, especially vulva owners, have had really terrible anal experiences. Yeah. It's a lot of poke, poke, push, and no lube. And, it's and no warm-up either, right? No like it's like just yeah. coming in hot and then it's like, ouch. Yes, yes. And your body remembers that. I remember yeah. it, you know? And so sometimes I'm like, but it's okay. And the but, you know, the trauma is like, it's trapped in the tissue. It's trapped in the body. Um, so, you know, I think it's really cool to set an anal date that has no expectation of penetration, that we are just going to delight this cute little butthole. We're going to use vibrators on it. Maybe you're going to eat that ass. Maybe you're going to massage the crack, massage the butthole and allow your partner to be comfortable with the anal pleasure sensations that are not related to penetration because all those nerve endings on the outside can feel just as good as penetration and you don't have to have penetration for it to be considered anal sex. Right. But, but that's a great way to start and warm up to anal play and even um, starting, like you said, with the outside, but maybe even starting with just like a butt massage without even touching the, out, the anus at all. Yes. Um, just to get comfortable with having your butt be touched and be, have it worshipped and have that much attention on your butt and then slowly, gradually going up from there and really keeping the, the lines of communication open with the feedback loop. Is this feeling good? Do you want more? Do you want more pressure? Do you then leading up to inserting something yes. potentially. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, if, if lube isn't your love language, then you should not be having anal. <laughs> oh, yes. It really needs lube and good quality, long lasting, like thick lube. I think the questions that, that I get most often as well for, for anal beginners are largely around like, how do you manage mess? How do you manage pain? So like poop and pain kind of, kind of issues. Right. And <laughs> I, I host the, the plug podcast, which is all about anal sex. And don't tell my mom again. And uh, <laughs> don't be your biggest fan. <laughs> I know. I hope not. <laughs> I tell my mom, you taught me everything I know. She's like, stop it. <laughs> That's so awful. I don't, know, I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> but on the podcast, the the questions that that keep are like recurring are like, what if I shit on my partner? You know, yeah. like what? Yeah, if what about fecal matter residue? Like, what what do we do with this? <laughs> and it's so it's so amazing to to think about how we forget that bodies are disgusting. Like they're beautiful, but they're also disgusting. Yeah, it's and pretty gross. So, <laughs> 
like we're doing gross things all the time. And that doesn't ever steal us uh, or rob us of love, of connection, of respect. And pleasure and deserving pleasure. pleasure. Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's a but. There might be poop, but, you know, your partner's not going to, to leave you because of that. And so I think there's things you can do to clean out, but I think the focus on, um, you know, really ridding the anus of any kind of fecal matter is just like the expectations are unreasonable. And so just do, you can just wash the outside if you want. You can do a light anal syringe flush on the inside. You definitely don't want any solutions um, or any douching. You don't need to install some fancy like shower thing, you know, <laughs> because also that just builds up like, oh my God, I have to clean out an anal and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Showtime. But if all, if you're, obviously, if you're stalling like hardware in your bathroom, the expectation, <laughs> this is happening quite often. <laughs> I know. Well, I did install a bidet, and yeah. that has helped things. <laughs> <laughs> the, what is it? The tushy? You know? I have the tushy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's a butt life game changer. Yeah. <laughs> and if your partner is, you know, very concerned about it, I would say to them, as you get started, I would just say, babe, you know what? You relax, you enjoy it. I'll let you know if you need to go freshen up. And that's all. Just give them the reassurance that whatever they feel is coming out, because it might just be a mixture of lube or like fluid, but not necessarily poop, but it's going to feel like poop because I can't see it. So I think just like having supportive partners and also putting that out on the table, like it's okay. We're not going to get divorced if you happen to, you know, get poop on me. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, like, come on, you're in it for the long haul. And right. and I, I think you're touching on something too, where it's, yeah, bodies can be gross sometimes and just like disgusting at times. But also if you're in that heightened state of arousal, it does overshadow some of that. It doesn't feel as gross. It feels more erotic than anything too. So it's like, again, you were talking about spanking or it's like, if you come up and smack me on the ass in the middle of the kitchen, that might not yeah. feel good. Yeah. Right. It might feel painful or if you tickle me or, 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 but then if you're in a heightened state of arousal or it's an erotic container that you've set up, then it doesn't feel like that. It's yes. not like going to the bathroom with the door open versus, you know, being in this erotic space together and exploring and let like letting your magical, beautiful bodies do their thing. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a good comparison of like, yeah, it's not like we're shitting with the bathroom door open, but like, this is different. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of that one movie where it's like, what is, they're always saying like, you want to take a shit on my chest? And it's like, okay, maybe you said that in a different, <sighs> in a different context. Maybe I would. <laughs> what I movie was that? I remember I that know. line too. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Luna, this is so good. I feel like how would you um, invite people to come work with you? Because how would you say, what are the benefits of working with a sex educator and a pleasure educator? And what are some things that people can expect if they were to reach out and work with you or take one of your webinars? You know, I want people to feel like, like go to her website and learn all this stuff. Cause we are literally just touching or even to the headlines of things, but there are deep dives on multiple things here. What can people expect with working with you? I'm so grateful for the invitation to, to talk about things. Cause I, I think a lot of people find me by accident and they're like, wait, what? We can do this. <laughs> And, and it really feels like there's um, this assumption that sex isn't a skill and that we're all just supposed to know how to do the thing. So if you feel like, oh my God, I love dirty talk, but I wish I was better at it, or I wish I had more confidence, or I want to learn how to pleasure genitals differently or better, or just like, you know, is what the Cosmo says true? And like, can I, can I do this thing? So, I mean, if you're interested in, in really honing in on some skills,
skills in a supportive, fun, playful, accepting environment. I think my workshops give you that kind of context for, you know, why is this so tough? And like, what are the challenges around doing this? So there's this like a uh, component of, of self-empathy and self-compassion for like, you know, we're all struggling with this. And then, and then I always move into skills that are both um, technique-based and communication-based and creativity-based. So you're always going to get those and no matter what topic you're exploring. And there's about 30 different webinars on my site. Um, mm -hmm. And it's all stuff that I also approach it from, from an experience um, expert kind of perspective and, and but also from a very personal perspective that I also struggle with confidence. I also struggle with body shame. I also struggle with like keeping things spicy or meeting appropriate partners. And so the live webinars are great where people can come in and you can bring your own questions. And then the, the on-demand ones are also wonderful because you get to have them whenever they're, uh, whenever you, the mood inspires you. It's a great date night. Like just mm -hmm. like buy a webinar, get like a, a glass of wine or a joint or whatever you're into. Um, and then I do coaching as well. And most of my coaching clients, either for singles or, or couples also have therapists. And so they're also, you know, very com committed to healing and committed to exploring and, and expanding their erotic sides. And I love that because then we get to focus specifically on, I'm like your, you know, just sort of a coach BFF who... Yeah, like optimization coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's totally it. I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you get someone to support you on these issues that are so taboo that even in our intimate relationships, we're not talking about and, and we're not getting the kind of quality wisdom that, that can actually help us move towards our, our goals. And, and I love that you're very non-judgmental open because I also know if someone's wanting to explore and maybe they're talking about, maybe you have an amazing circle of friends and you can talk about this stuff, but maybe you're like, oh, I really wanted to try this like kink thing or this, I want to talk to my partner about including this fetish that I'm, I'm quite into. And maybe, you know, your friends might have an adverse reaction or a reaction that could further um, make you feel self-conscious or shameful. So, you know, if you're feeling timid or whatnot, like working with you to really just get the language and the confidence in your own sexuality. And then that could even open the doors or channels for you to talk more freely and openly within your social circles too, and really setting the tone there. Yeah. Then you get to inspire other people. Other people. Yeah. It yeah. is cool. If you like to breastfeed your partner, like, you know, whatever yes. it is, whatever it is, whatever you're into. And, and that's where the empowerment piece comes in is like, let's get liberated from all this sex negative nonsense that's serving right. nobody. All the judgment. And when we talk about consent, we often talk about like how to say no, but like, how do we own our yes? You know, how do I come in and be like, is this all you're offering? Cause I'm not interested. Like, <laughs> Like, I'm a goddess. Where's your offering? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. To really move to that place where sexual confidence becomes letting go of, of self-judgment. And the stigma. Yeah. 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 So yeah. focusing on sexual wellness. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Luna. I love talking with you. You just light up my life and I just learned so much from you and I, you always make me laugh too. And you're just so much fun, open, uplifting. And, you know, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kelly. This was so great and so lovely to reconnect in this way with you. And I love the podcast. I love like that with the education that you're sharing with people. And thank you for having me as a guest. Oh, thank you. And everyone, if you want to get in touch with Luna, I'm going to be leaving her website in the show notes there. So make sure you check her out, check out all of the live coaching she does, live um, workshops and as well as on demand as well. If you want to be a little bit more private and do your own thing. Thanks, Luna. Thank you. 